Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. All right, we're talking about the book of Proverbs. We didn't get very far last week. We likely won't get very far this week. And so if it takes us all year long to do this, please don't get uh, impatient because one of the things wisdom does is allow you to operate in what you know. And you know God gives you patience. Right? Wisdom is operating in the knowledge that you have. And, and so it's one of the things that only God does. So anyway, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. We'll, we'll, we'll push our way through that this week. Um, and I'll, I'll share some things with you that I think will be helpful. And uh, we'll, we'll move along. So, Father, thank you today for this time. Bless us, Lord God, by your Holy Spirit. Teach us according to your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Excuse me. You may remember last week I tried to make a big deal out of the fact that there are no shallow spots in the wisdom of God. So as you're reading this, and again, your assignment has been whatever the day date is, whatever the numerical date is, you should be reading that proverb on that day. And, and I want you just to continue as long as this takes. You're going to go through Proverbs almost every month. And you say, what do we do in February when there's only 28 days? Well, again, it won't hurt you to read more than one. But if you need to, when the calendar turns over, just go back to chapter one. Okay? So all you lazy people can just go back to chapter one and leave out the last three chapters because you'll have 10 or 12 times to, to read it if you choose. And so just keep reading through. Again, when you find yourself going, oh, yeah, I know this. What you've entered into is a shallow spot in your own understanding. Does that make sense? The wisdom of God is much deeper than what you might imagine. And so once you get to a place where you say, oh yeah, I got that. You're a prime candidate for God revealing some stuff to you. And he'll show you things about his wisdom. And, and one of the reasons this is so powerful for me right now is that I've come to grips on more than one occasion over the last three months or two and a half months with the, with the, the shallowness of my own wisdom. Like all of you, like most of you, maybe all of you, you've been taught what it looks like to trust God. And you've been told, do this and do that. Well, you've done those things and still had difficulties in your life. Right? I mean, how many of you heard the, the formulaic approach to the things of God? A plus B equals C. Right? And so we, we say this scripture, we believe this in our heart, we tell everybody that's the way it is, and then that produces this thing. But you have to keep in mind that we are never going to be producers of what God provides. You, you, don't, you don't get to make it. You don't, you, don't, you don't get to create these things. God is that creator and his creation flowed through. The Bible says in John chapter 1, all things were made through Jesus. So again, when the wisdom seems to be, oh, I got that, it's way deeper than that. Keep pressing in because what you'll find is that as you move along, that it has less to do with you and more to do with him. You can't hold your face right to get God to move for you. You can't pray in King James language to get God to hear you. You can't stand on your head in the corner and hope God will do something through your sacrifice. It's the sacrifice of Jesus. It's the work of Jesus that does these things. They're already in motion. If we take it away from healing for just a second, because that's what you'll hear probably as I talk. But pick something. Pick the idea of provision. Provision. You can't create that. 
You'll be so dissatisfied if, <coughs> excuse me, if you work towards in your own strength a level of security and safety in your finances. Because when you get there, you won't be safe and secure. It'll be you. And you'll look and go, man, I could goof this up in a moment. Everything has to go back to the wisdom of God. Everything has to go back to what Jesus did. That makes sense. Okay, so you got your little Proverbs chapter 1 place. You don't. I don't. But you might have it marked. But I want you to turn today to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I will continue to intersperse some things trying to keep you connected to New Covenant theology as well as Old Covenant understanding. Remember, in the Old Testament, as much as that proverb stuff makes sense to us, the writer did not have the Holy Spirit full time. The dumbest Christian today is wiser than Solomon. See, you read the Old Testament thing. There was none like him. None like him. None going to come after you as the king of Israel. But when the Holy Spirit came living inside of you, when you accepted Jesus, you became something called wisdom. Notice this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Notice it says, let's begin reading. I, I went too far. In verse uh, uh, 19, 18... Notice what it says there. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Verse 20. Uh, verse 20 says, uh, the last part is all I want to read. It says, Has not God made the foolish the wisdom of the has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? You need to answer those kinds of questions. The smartest available natural wisdom is not great compared to what God has. And you, can, you can apply that in any aspect. You can come up with the best plan in the world and it will be well short of what God has for you. Even if it works, it will still be well short. Notice it says then in the 21st verse, For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. They thought they were smart in realizing that God didn't exist. That all this fairy tale stuff that they've been told wasn't right. You can hear that today. There are people today who will... (laughs) I was reading a report the other day. And to prove their point, which I found absolutely amazing, he says it is supposed that this is the truth. And they were talking about the creation of man or the the evolution of man. And he said, you know, it's supposed that because we're humans, the next step above homo erectus, the standing upright, when when your gluteus maximus muscle got shortened, you know, when you walked on all four, the muscle that you, the the, the bottom of your core muscles is this muscle that goes up your backside right here. It's what gives you the ability to stand straight. It's, if you've ever had sciatic nerve pain or pressure, that's what's affected. And what happens to you if you've ever had that? You begin walking like this. Why? Because the only way for you to get comfortable is to take pressure off of those muscles 
And so to do that, you basically bend over where there's no pressure going either direction or either one of the directions to take pressure off of that nerve. That's a natural way. That wisdom that says you should walk humped over is less than God's wisdom that says you should trust me. See? So he said the wisdom of the world, God made all that foolish. He said through wisdom they did not go know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message priest preached. Notice he says that when we preach the message of the cross, when we preach the gospel, the good news, God chose it because the world sees it as foolishness. Are y'all tracking with me? See, when you end up talking with somebody and they say, well, what if your God doesn't do that? My God's never failed to do that. Right? It's the wisdom of God that turns all this stuff the other direction. He says, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message priest to save those who believe. And he ties it back to a belief, literally an, an inher- adherence, that's something greater than mental ascension. Let me explain this to you. And we'll eventually get to what I'm going to teach today. <laughs> Mental ascension is when the information moves from outside into your head and then elevates itself above everything else in there. Okay, how many of you have heard differing reports about something you've believed, but your truth, whatever your truth is, has risen to the top? And you declare your truth... That's mental ascension, right? It creates something called, uh, sorry. See, I I should have never went down this road because now the buttons are being pushed. (laughs) It creates something called cognitive dissonance. Welcome to the degree in psychology. Cognitive dissonance is the existing of two competing belief systems. How many of you know if one thing is right, the other thing must be wrong? But cognitive dissonance says this is right and this is almost equally as right. Okay, so people who believe in evolution will hold to the creative narrative of Genesis chapter 1 and believe somehow that we evolved from apes until God decided to write it down. That's cognitive dissonance, the existing of two belief systems on an equal plane. Something's not right. Amen? Now, the reason cognitive dissonance is so important is that when you become a New Testament, New Covenant believer, the wisdom that you used is now subservient to the wisdom of God. You don't have to prove that creation is real. God says creation cries it out. All you have to do is look around going, okay, I don't understand how God did this. I mean, there are so many things that wisdom, the wisdom of God, can, can just completely devalue. For example, there's a missing link between the Cro-Magnum pre-Homo erectus folks and you. They've accepted the idea that something is missing. Duh! <laughs> Of course something is missing. Put God right there. God made the apes. They walk on all fours. They drag their knuckles. And evidently, according to some, they're your brothers and sisters. 
you know, I, I heard one person say, it's from the goo to the zoo to you. One single celled amoeba somehow became something that somehow became zoo animals that somehow became you. Listen, it takes so much faith to believe in that. That the wisdom of God just says, you know what? There are going to be people who believe that. Just leave them alone. You're not going to convince them. But by your living, you will live convincing truth. That's what wisdom does. I've had so many people. You know, when I first got into ministry, people came up to me and told me what wasn't going to work. They actually told me in some cases, I love pastors, but some pastors would come up and tell me that what I was doing wouldn't work. And I thought, um, I, I was like a kid in kindergarten. I go, well, I didn't know enough to do this. I just raised my hand and said, I didn't think this up. God did. Well, now you can't blame God for this. I wasn't blaming him. I was praising him. <laughs> Wisdom does that. You say, are you saying you have wisdom? No, just wait. Watch, look what I'm telling you. Here's what I'm actually saying. Verse 30. Are you ready? But of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God. You are in Christ Jesus, who is wisdom from God. What are you? Wisdom. Submitting yourself to the spirit, literally in your man's spirit. I don't mean man as male now. I mean as a species. Submitting yourself to your spirit, it will control your soul. How many of you know it is harder to trust the wisdom of God than to come up with your own idea? It's way easy to come up with your own idea. The world is full of people like that. Come up with their own ideas. This is how it works. And they'll tell you that. They'll sell you a book on that. Here's how to do it. Do what I do. Don't do what I do. Do what God tells you to do. So he became wisdom for us from God. And righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now I really wanted to get off on all of this and just tell you what all this was. But this is what we are in Jesus Christ. You can see it in any other, other places in the Bible, in the New Testament. You are righteousness in Christ. It's not what you did, it's what he did. His doing made you righteous. You stand in rightness before your God. It takes ignorance to step out of that. See, wisdom says, well, I know that's what God says, but I just don't believe that, so I'm going to do this. That's ignorance. That's foolishness. Do it all the time, but that's what it is. All right, so here we go. Are you ready? Proverbs chapter 1. <laughs> Again, our definition or our working definition is that wisdom is the ability to regulate words and actions. I may not have even said this last week. According to God's directive. Wisdom is the ability to adjust or to regulate words and actions. How many of you ever said as you saw somebody do something, that wasn't very smart? Okay, we've all, and we've all, how many of you have ever said that about yourself, right? That happens all the time. What happened was our words and or our deeds have not been regulated by the directives from God. 
So when you read Proverbs, you'll see some of these things that say, hey, don't go into the evil woman. Right? And you say, well, why? Because, see, sometimes what happens in our soul is, and forgive me, women, I don't mean to pull this out. We're going to talk about that today is why I'm using it, not because you all are evil and trapping all these poor, ignorant men. (laughs) But remember, sometimes what happens in our soul is the evil looks attractive. When somebody says... Let's do, I never will forget, and I'm not going to name names, not that they're in the room, but they may listen to me. Uh, and, and I remember in my high school days when people would come up to me and say, hey, Glenn, let's do this. And it sounded like a great idea coming from their mouth, right? And, and uh, I, I remember being in 4th and Main, before it was 4th and Main, you know, that used to be a dusty old abandoned thing. And we used to break in the back of that, and, and a local business person's daughter used to survive, uh, provide us with eggs. <laughs> See, you're going, oh, oh, okay, say it with me. That wasn't very smart, okay. <clears throat> so if cars would go by, you know, we're one story up, and we'd pitch them eggs at them, you know, and kabam, it'd hit. And, and occasionally you'd have to run from the police. Say it with me. That wasn't very smart, Right? My lovely wife was with, with us one, before she was my wife. I knew she was going to be my wife. I told my best friend after the first time I was ever with her, I'm going to marry her. But before she agreed, we were driving around one night and there was a... Now, the statutes of limitations are over on all of this. And there was a scaffolding in front of one of the stores. Tracy's shaking her head. She remembers this. <laughs> and so my friend... He, he stops, throws his pickup in, in park, and he says, come on, Glenn. And I said, what are we doing? No, come on, he says. Now, see, I should ask more questions. We ran across the street. One, he said, get on the other side. Pull this thing. And we pulled that scaffolding over, and it scattered all over the main street. Say it with me. That wasn't very smart. Right? Y'all know that now, right? Your kids are doing this kind of stuff. Don't look up here, some, you know, 65-year-old gray-haired guy and go, well, that was terrible. We don't do things like that today. Oh, yes, they do. They're just not telling you. You said, no, yeah, right, no, don't tell us that. How many of you know it's not wisdom to deny what might enter into a 15-year-old's mind? Kind of got to have this idea that says, you know what, I'm going to keep my eyes open and my heart open to the things God would tell me so that I can speak wisdom into their life. Yeah. See, if you'll use wisdom, you'll deal with character, not actions. Right? You, mean, you, you, can, you can whoop them. How many, ever, how many ever had, don't raise your hands, but how many ever had a child that spanking didn't work? Okay, I, we had one of those. I just kept taking stuff from him. How many of you had a kid, you took stuff with them? That didn't matter either. They just didn't sleep on the floor. You got to have something about character, not about actions. Right? You okay? That's what wisdom does. That's what wisdom does. All right. So, verse number one says, the Proverbs of Solomon King, verse number two to know wisdom and instructions and to perceive. He says, listen, I want you to discern. This is the word perceive. I want you to to discern (coughs) by spiritual means and terms. 
I want you to discern by spiritual means and terms. That means you're going to describe what you're doing through spiritual terms, not through natural terms. Natural terms will say you did this and now you're guilty. So what you did becomes who you are. Right? See, 12-step programs are like that. Hello, my name is Glenn. I'm an alcoholic. Not anymore. That I'm, I'm making that up. I was never actually that. I've just dealt with tons and tons of 12-step people who are doing a formulaic approach to freedom and forgiveness. There's only one step in God's plan. Receive him. He'll forgive your stuff. You say, well, that doesn't work. It does if you receive it. Because now you're a different person. Now you think differently. Now you talk and act differently. That's what wisdom does. It controls the words and the actions. You all know what's wrong, right? Why don't we stop doing that? Oh, because we can't control our words. The reason that you can't control your words is because you won't submit your mouth to God. Ouch. You can't believe the number of people who talk differently in church than they do in Monday life. You can't believe the number of people who come to church and act differently and on Tuesday life, they're right back to it. It's supposed to regulate your life. That's what wisdom does. And it takes a spiritual discernment, terms and means. You cannot corrupt your way to blessing. So, if you steal to build your bank account... You won't feel blessed. You say, oh, yes, I will. I have lots of money. It won't satisfy you. Blessing is that state of being of satisfaction and contentment in the heavenlies. That's what it does. You say, that's wisdom. I'm so satisfied with where I am in God. You say, well, I'm not satisfied. I'm supposed to pray more. You just made a formulaic approach to God and formulaic approaches are not wisdom. It's why we're frustrated when some, you know, I just got saved guy comes in and gets blessed by God and we say under our breath, in our brains, I can't believe they haven't done anything to deserve that. We, we, we think that way. It doesn't control our actions, nor does it control our words. I tell pastors all the time, if you can't rejoice with somebody else's success, you're in trouble. Because you're competitive. I want churches to succeed. I've been, I, I've been roasted a time or two because <laughs> I sometimes accept, in fact, all the time, I, I sometimes accept pastors just right where they are. And I might know in my mind, in, in my thinker, that they're wrong. Did you know that right and wrong is never the issue? Right and wrong turns you on to flesh. Unity is the issue. Can I be in unity with a person surrounding the things of God? You say, no, they're wrong. You, you, the only one who benefits 
by solving the right and wrong program is the guy who wins. It's just, it's just goofy. People say, well, but we got to sort that down. You know, I trust you guys to leave my church. <laughs> Sorry, I can't hardly say it with a straight face. <laughs> Not my church, okay? We all know that. And to go to somebody else's event and to come back. I'm not concerned that if you go to Joe Blow's church, you're going to be poisoned <laughs> by goofy doctrines. You say, well, what if they teach you to sin? You don't need any help in that area. <laughs> Nobody taught me to sin. God taught me what it meant not to. He didn't point out to me, you should not not do that. He said, here's what I gave you so you can be more like me. Well, that's better. Because, you know, guilt, I mean, sometimes guilt just needs its own travel agency. Come on, some of you get guilt trips to travel agents. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. He says in verse 3, to receive. What does it mean to receive? It means to possess as a discipline. To possess as a discipline. You receive the, it's a discipline, people of God. You have to discipline yourself to think in terms of wisdom. If you don't, you'll think like you. Your thinker is the thing that God talks about all the time that needs renewed. If you live from your thinker, people who don't think like you will be attacked by your thinker. You will attack people, people. Our weapons are not for flesh and blood. But if people don't believe like us or accept like us or, or vote like us or this like us or that like us, we'll actually attack people. Because our thinker says we've got to fix the wrong, which means we've got to prove to them how wrong they are. Thus the argument ensues, and guess what? No one wins because eventually somebody's just going to shut up and have the last word in their own thinker. It's not going to fix hearts. Tracy and I were involved in a situation where, where we were condemned, I don't know, attacked because we counseled a couple who'd been given really tragic information about their child in utero. Their, 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 their baby. And they chose to terminate the pregnancy. I heard y'all go, oh. You know how hard that decision was for these 20-year-old people who had no church experience whatsoever? Ask yourself this question. Who stood and held their hands? Who helped them through just an unthinkable decision? Because it had already happened. When they came to us, it had already happened. People made appointments with us to chastise us for not being pro-life enough. I said, well, first of all, I didn't give you any information. And I can't because I talked with these people behind the door of pastor. The pastor door. By the way, you need to be able to trust me in that. So you're never going to hear the whole story. But we're willing to abandon people not receive as a father the discipline. God wants us, people of God, to walk with people who don't act right. 
He wants us to love people unconditionally. We love conditionally. What does that mean? It means we love so that we can get the right results from them. And we, we do it this way. We say these kinds of things. Well, I'm just telling the truth in love. Listen, if you have to get out the baseball bat to pound your point home, it's not very loving. Well, amen. That's all in the receive part. <laughs> See how wisdom can get deeper? And it just, it just touches you where you live. Notice in the second verse, it says to receive the instruction of wisdom. It literally means as a thoughtfulness that works itself out. What does it do? It controls words and actions. So he says, receive this. It'll control your words and actions. How many of you have ever remembered when your mom and dad said you ought not to talk that way and that worked as long as you were in their house? But when you went to school or some other thing, you talked differently. Huh. I had a college basketball coach and I, I, I played basketball with a lot of city kids. And uh, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> you could kind of tell the people who had never had any instruction in language, because they use four-letter words right and left, man. Finally, a coach blew the whistle one day, and he says, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but it takes no intelligence whatsoever to cuss your way to a point. I went, you mean there's a smarter way to talk? That's what wisdom does. Controls your words. Controls your actions. Notice it says to do justice, judgment, and equity. These are three words that exist in today's society that are not being governed by wisdom. Notice it says justice. It literally means beneficial truths that govern. Beneficial truths that govern. It's not beneficial when somebody else gets something that they didn't earn in a worldly sense, and yet they call that justice. Recently, a group of college kids took over a, an administration building in a private school in New York. You know what they wanted? They wanted justice. You know what it turned into? We want A's for everybody who goes to school here. Now, some of us went to school to make the top 50% possible. You know what I mean? You were the... <laughs> If they're not a bottom 50%, the top 50% doesn't have anything to base it on, right? So some of us went to school to be that. Some of us went to school to just fit in. And some of us went to school to get our identity from being at the top. See, and we all call that, that opinion, we all call that justice. Getting what you deserve. How many of you know wisdom says you don't get what you deserve because Jesus took it for you? That makes sense. Amen. Notice it says justice, equity. What did I leave out? Oh, judgment. Oh, I love this one. Judgment actually comes from the word in the New Testament, from the word for crisis that we get crisis from. And what we really want is for somebody to get theirs. Right? Judgment is when somebody gets what they, their actions, their stuff, it's what they deserve. Well, but I heard you, and, and this is not you, okay? But I did hear, oh dear, and we think that's just terrible. And yet, 
I'm going I'm to say something somewhat controversial here. But I've been in the pro-life movement as a heart transfer transformer for almost 50 years. Okay, so don't throw rocks at me. But which one of you are prepared, based on judgment, to throw a 14, 15, 16-year-old girl in prison for murdering a baby? I'm not saying abortion should happen. I'm saying there are some things here that we ought to think about. Who of you wants to take the Old Testament thing that if a man causes a woman to miscarry her baby, we should poke his eyes out? You want to line up and do that to a doctor? I'm not saying that you shouldn't have opinions about this. What I'm saying is that our judgment takes us to flesh and blood. Do you see it? We're opposed to people. Wisdom doesn't do that. Wisdom says that God's judgment for whatever you did, I don't say you should do it, I'm saying for whatever you did, was put on Jesus Christ. You say, well, yeah, but what about the really serious stuff? Like what? Like your gossip? You understand that gossip is an issue of the tongue? And lack of control? In that said tongue, James says it ought not to be this way. And what do we do? You need to pray. Good Christians, they couch their gossip in prayer. Did you hear? We need to pray for them. And then you, then you spout off all the necessary Things that will cause somebody else to actually pray. It doesn't actually cause them to pray. I, I was, I'm, I, for again, 40 years, <laughs> I've been totally opposed to phone prayer trees because nobody prays. They just talk about what's going on. Now, you may say, no, that's not true, Pastor. I pray. Go ask the person you called and see if they pray with the person that they called or if they just pass on the information and ask for prayer. Well, amen anyway. Notice it also says <coughs> that it brings equity, equality. How many of you know equity is evenness or fairness in the world's picture? But what the Bible talks about in equity is literally a smoothness in regard to God's leading. Equity says God will love you the same way he loves me, even when you look at me and think I'm doing better than you are. There's a smoothness in how God deals with us. The worst of us, the worst of them, you know, those people driving by that are going somewhere else besides church this morning, you know, the worst of them. God loves them because they were and are possibly a sinner. Not because of what they're doing but because of their position in life without Christ. There's a smoothness to God's equity. It's associated with God's leading. He will lead everyone, and I don't care what they've done, who they are, or how many times you think they're guilty. God has a smoothness to leading them to Christ. That's what equity does. Does that make sense? Okay, you got that. Good. And then it says to give prudence 
<coughs> to the simple. It literally means discretionary wisdom. It literally means God giving you what to do in the moment that you need it. What most of us do when we see something is we begin to plan in our mind. And we plan in our mind that we're going to do thus and so. Now here's how you know that you're doing this. When you get home, you say to yourself, I wished I would have said. So when you're in a conflict time, prudence, you know, and all that, you say, oh man, I wish I, this is, and what was our focus? Again, the person. You're going to hear this probably if it takes me all year to teach the book of Proverbs. You're going to hear this all year long. If your focus ends up being human, flesh and blood, you're on the wrong track. I'm not saying there aren't problems in our world. Man, there are crazy bad problems in our world. Caused not by an individual who makes the wrong choice, but by the fact that the world is governed by the God of this world. And we are taking back by steps of righteousness the rightful ownership of what God created, including people. That was a good, you missed it. I may have to say that more than once. I don't know that I can. The steps of righteousness, right standing with God, will enable you to be an example leading others into that equity, that smoothness that God offers. Notice in verse number five, it says, a wise man will hear and increase learning. It literally means to focus with obedience when you hear. How many of you had your kids hear what you say but not be obedient? Okay, and you say, were you listening? Yep, they heard you, but there was no focus on obedience. One of the things wisdom does is allow you to focus on obedience because it says it gives, uh, 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 where's that word simple? Well, it's up a verse. To give prudence, some of these verses go together, and I apologize. I, I just have them underlined in my, in my Bible like this, the things I want to touch. And, and uh, if I have a, a, a definition, I wrote it on a piece of paper so I could remember it. But, but the idea behind simple here is they're simple in how to handle life's complexity. They're simple in how to handle life's complexity. So it gets prudent to the simple. If we don't know how to handle life, wisdom is our goal. Then he says in verse number uh, uh, five, it says wise men will hear and increase, meaning that you will hear that and increase learning. Learning is not just intellectual ascension, like I said before. This is information that you have that makes the trip from your head to your heart so that you can then expose it to the transitional forces of the Spirit of God working in the invisible part of you to help your soul make a decision to affect your flesh. <laughs> your soul will speak without consulting your flesh. But your flesh acts by consulting your soul. Are y'all tracking with me? The flesh says, you know what we should do. Touch your soul and touches you in your emotional area, touches you in your thinking area, in your fairness area, in all those areas that only God's wisdom actually brings to us on a level playing field. You're right. It's not fair, the world we live in, but it's all backwards to what you think. One of the most unfair things that anybody can ever, ever experience is the grace of God. It is so unfair. You didn't deserve any of it. And every day, one of the most unfair things is the mercy of God. It's new every day. You can never outrun it. You say, well, why would we need that? Do you need that answer? 
Never ask a question that you don't want to answer to. The reason that we need it is because we don't let wisdom control how we act and how we talk. And stuff comes dribbling out of our mouth before we can stop it. Amen? So it says that he'll attain wise counsel in verse number five. <laughs> it's the greatest word. It literally means steermanship. Steermanship. It's kind of a nautical word, which means this is how you drive the boat. What will wisdom do? It'll attain wise counsel to help you in life's complicated situations how to drive the boat. You need this to raise your kids. Because if everything you think dribbles out of your mouth, your kids are going to be some confused hooters. I mean, they won't know which way's up. Because on the one hand, don't do this. On the other hand, do this. Don't talk this way. Don't speak this way. Don't do those things. And never once do we say there's a character involved in here that will govern what you think and do. I contend today that most discipline needs to be towards character issues rather than action issues. What do you think happens in prison? All of their decision-making process is taken away. They don't get to make decisions. I mean, not really. What happens? They get X number of months, years, or whatever to contemplate how they got here. And before you think I'm just making that up, I spent almost 20 years in jail and prison ministry. And I will tell you that the worst of the worst still are wondering, why am I here? And if somebody will say to them, you're here to meet Jesus and to govern your mouth and your actions, they'll change forever. They'll graduate from prison being a graduate from life. That make sense? That's what a wise man does. Amen. <laughs> I'll try and leave the extra out and we'll keep going with this next week since now in two weeks we've gotten through five verses. Let me, can I just add verse 7? Look at the bottom of verse 7. It says, fools despise wisdom and instructions. I love that. The wisdom of God is despised by fools. Man, interesting. When we believe God has told us to do something and we hate it, I mean, do I need to define despise to you? You hate it. I hate what God's asked me to do. Yep. Now at least you know where you stand with receiving wisdom. I know that's hard. Forgive me if you need to. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for teaching us by your word. We are so grateful, Father, that the depth of your wisdom just continues to increase we thank you, Lord, that as we hear these things, we'll be able to receive, to attain, to bring those things in, to literally govern what we say and what we do, Father. We'll receive from you, from a heavenly Father, the discipline necessary to walk in what your principles are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch sermon slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.